If a part of being okay when life isn't comes down to knowing who we are and being secure in, in that identity, then it means that we have to bounce back to the Word of God and to our baptism, where we're reminded who we are. That's where the foundational assurance comes from who we are in Christ Jesus. And I kind of feel like today we get to almost, it's like the end of an infomercial where you've heard about all of the great things that you're potentially looking at and then, and then there's the catch, but wait, there's more. If we are going to build on that identity and reassure ourselves of who we are in Christ, a big part of that comes when we are more confident in telling others about who we are and what God has done for us to give us that identity. And I think one of the ways that we, we get better at that comes after we see things differently. When we talk about this topic of evangelism or witnessing, I think we have to shift our mindset a little bit away from seeing evangelism or witnessing as something that we do, instead seeing it as something we are. It's who we are as witnesses. When you look at the words that, that Jesus used to call Philip to be his disciple today, he said, follow me. And that's exactly what he was saying. Be my disciple. So Philip recognized that following Jesus meant being his disciple, but that also being his disciple also included making other disciples. Being a part of that process that, that realizes that Philip wasn't just the end of what Jesus had in mind for him, but really the beginning. Not only that Philip would know who he was in Christ, but that he as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus, would embrace the role of being a disciple, which means being a witness, which means making other disciples. And in order for that to become natural for us, that's the, the goal. We go back to our, our baptism. We go back to the Word of God to reinforce those. And the more we do that, the more natural it becomes like breathing air. It becomes like a habit that's as simple and, and routine and natural almost as brushing your teeth. The only difference, of course, is as we witness, as we evangelize, as we, we give Jesus to others, we confess him, we share him, we proclaim him to others, it does much more than just keep cavities at bay like brushing teeth. It keeps souls from being lost forever. Listen to how John recorded it for us um, as Philip encountered Nathanael. He had found Jesus. He was delighted to be his follower, to be his disciple. And then, then Philip immediately realizes a part of being a disciple is witnessing to others and discipling then others. So he shares his excitement. John records it for us in chapter 1, verse 45. 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That was it. Philip was, was excited to, to know who he had found, the Savior, the Messiah. He'd actually come onto the scene, and Philip knew him, saw him, believed in him, and now he was relaying that message, what he had found to somebody else, to Nathaniel. So he was simply witnessing in a very simple yet powerful way until something terrible happened. Something that must have been mortifying for Philip, his worst nightmare come true. Nathaniel pushed back. 
It didn't happen the way that, that undoubtedly Philip would have hoped, would have liked to happen, that as he shared this great news that he was elated about with Nathaniel, that Nathaniel said, wait a minute, you found Jesus? Is, is there a way that I can learn more? Is, is there a, some material, some resources you can give me that I can dig into on my own? Is there maybe a service I can come with you or, or a class that I can take to learn more about him? Only that wasn't what happened. That wasn't Nathaniel's response. Instead, Nathaniel throws up the smoke screen. He says in verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Ugh. Talk about deflated. Talk about being discouraged. Philip had just built up the courage and the excitement to tell Nathaniel who he had found. And now Nathaniel throws up this issue of all of the great news that Philip just shared the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one. Nathaniel dials into Nazareth. One little detail, a side note, a detour, really, and certainly a smokescreen that Nathaniel threw up before Philip. And that can be deflating, can't it? Discouraging when, when he missed the forest for the trees and wanted to make what Philip was saying about some odd off-the-wall off detail instead of the, the main message he had found as Savior. And if you have witnessed, if you have done this challenging work of evangelism, if you have embraced that that's who you are and it's a part of being a disciple, then you can relate to Philip's experience. When you share your faith, when you confess your faith, when others know that you are a believer and you want that for them, you've heard similar responses. Oh, I, I don't do organized religion. It's not for me. Or maybe a little more aggressive I can't be a part of a, an organization, Christianity, that has done so much damage and so much hard, hardship and has been responsible for so many bad, wicked, evil things in the world. Can't be a part of, of that. Or you, you believe a, a book that was written by a bunch of old men thousands of years ago? No thanks. We know the smoke screens. We know how people deflect when we witness, when we share Jesus with them, when we confess our faith in him and, and want the same for them. And then what ends up happening as they, they take us down that detour is we go right there along with them. We get sidetracked and we go down that rabbit hole and we feel as if it's on our shoulders that, that we have to be able to explain whatever roadblock or smokescreen it is that they've thrown up. What ends up happening then is we are further away from the conversation that we started with or nowhere near where we wanted it to end. And then we walk away discouraged because we didn't, didn't convince somebody else. We didn't remove that roadblock. We failed. And that happens enough times, it's enough to discourage us and keep us from doing it anymore. And so we give up, frustrated, discouraged that we failed. But there's a, a better way, a, a much more effective way. And that's not to say that there isn't a place for us taking the time to be able to intelligently, with thought-provoking uh, reasons, lead people to question those arguments about Scripture and about Christianity, about organized religion. There, there's intelligent dialogue that can be had there, but there is actually a simpler way when it comes to witnessing, and it's the simpler way that, that Philip followed up Nathaniel's rebuttal with. So simple, almost as if we easily would forget it. After his, his smokescreen about Nazareth, listen to Philip's simple response. Come and see. Come and see. That's it. 
Philip just invited Nathaniel to come and see. Look, I understand that you've got questions. I understand that you have uh, other issues that need to be worked through. But, but the way to work through them, the way to solve those issues that you have is to come and see. And I don't know if there's a more powerful way that we can witness than simply inviting others to come and see. Yes, our own testimony is very powerful when we share with others the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. It can be very effective and very powerful. But, but when people really latch on to it is when they experience it for themselves. And if you don't agree with me, then consider how many invitations you have in your email box or how many ads uh, on any screen that you're on, on any website, that invites you to a 7-day or a 14-day or a 30-day free trial before you ever have to pay for a certain service or subscription. Why do they give away the free trial? Because they know that if you try it, you are more likely to buy it. So come and see, as Philip invited Nathaniel to do, as an invitation to say, don't even take my word for it. As powerful as one's own testimony might be, see for yourself. Try it out for yourself and see if this Jesus isn't as magnificent as I make him out to be. But where we struggle is too often we put this responsibility on our own shoulders. When we talk about evangelism, when we talk about witnessing to others, we make it out to be as if we are the ones that are responsible for building Christ's kingdom. And not only is that an uphill battle, but actually it's impossible. Because that isn't your work, and it's not my work to build Christ's kingdom. It's Christ's work. He's the one that's going to do the heavy lifting. He's the one that's going to bring anybody to faith. In fact, why had we started out this series bouncing back to the word of God and to baptism? Because those remind us that our identity is wrapped up in who Christ is and what he has done and what he continues to do for us as he reassures us with his promises. It's his work to build his kingdom. So when we make it about us, well, we recognize that our passion and our zeal are going to wax and wane for evangelism because sometimes we'll feel as if it was more successful than, than others. But what a short-sighted view. See, when we, when we make witnessing about us, when it becomes just something that we do, an option that some Christians might do and some may not, instead of who we are, just witnessing, just inviting others to come and see, we put too much on our own shoulders and we actually betray how self-centered we are. If we scratch below the surface just a little bit more and we, we consider all of the reasons that we have given in the past and still maybe wrestle with, uh, I'm too afraid, I'm just not good enough at it. I'm not comfortable doing it. Do you realize that, that all of those betray the real issue? How naturally self-centered we are. All of those responses, don't they just demonstrate that I'm making witnessing or evangelism all about me? That I'm more concerned with how I end up looking when I witness, when I evangelize, than I am about the other person's soul. And inevitably, that's what's going to happen when those three involved in the equation, me and somebody else and Jesus, when I become the star of the show, when I become the focal point, I'm either going to pat myself on the back and, and forget that there is no credit that I deserve, or I am going to give reasons for being afraid and, and cowardly and, and lack the courage because it's all about me. Stop making witnessing. Stop making evangelism about you. 
start making it about the other person and Jesus and connecting those two. Because if I am going to continue to to let my ego get in the way, to let my fear get in the way, eventually I have to just come face to face with the music and that music is this, that that kind of an attitude is, is simply sin. If being a disciple means making disciples and witnessing and evangelizing and telling others about Jesus, and I come up with every reason under the sun, be it fear or cowardice or lack of courage, not to do those things, whatever I might want to call them, at the end of the day, it's sin. And now we like to rate and rank sin and might think, well, keeping my mouth shut is is not as big as some other sins. In reality, not only is it not doing what, what God has called us to do, but it's kind of the added damage of the other person's soul as well. In fact, the worst thing that that we can do for somebody else is stay silent about their salvation. So who then is going to rescue me from my own fear and my own ego that keeps me from witnessing more faithfully? Well, Jesus, Jesus already has. And that's why it's so important that we bounce back to the word and to our baptism. We bounce back to the word and the writer to the Hebrews tells us in chapter 2, verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. For all of the times that our ego has gotten in the way, that our fear has gotten in the way, that our self-centeredness, that making witnessing about me and what I look like at the end of the day or what people might think of me, all of those times that I have not made it about Jesus, Jesus still calls me his brother. When I wanted to be the star of the show, even if I don't realize it, Jesus still has made me holy and calls me holy and calls me a member of his family. And he can do that because he is the one who, in fact, has paid for and forgiven all of my sins. And he is the one that earned righteousness, perfection, holiness for me and credits it to my account, free of charge. He still calls us brothers and sisters because that is what he has made us. He doesn't look at our ego and say disqualified. He looks at the cross and says, forgiven. And it's that same message of forgiveness as we hear it again and again and again that builds in us a confidence, a yearning, a desire, a passion that can't keep our mouths shut, that can't keep it to ourselves as we we saw in the first lesson from Jeremiah. It's like a fire in my heart. If I want to shut up, if I want to say nothing, it doesn't matter. I can't help it. I have to tell others what I have. I have to witness. I think that we forget how effective it is when we take the approach of Philip. Come and see. Notice how it played out as as Philip invited Nathaniel to do that very thing. In fact, it's striking that the very first several verses in the section that we're focusing on this morning is really Jesus inviting Philip and then Philip inviting Nathaniel. And then once Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see, the rest of the whole account is Jesus going to work. That is the key to witnessing. Let Jesus do the work. And you notice what happened when he took over? 
Jesus has this exchange with Nathanael, and we can't fully understand exactly everything that went on, but we know between Jesus and Nathanael, there was something that made it click that led to Nathanael confessing very clearly who Jesus was, recognizing as he confessed in verse 49. Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Do you see what happens when we let Jesus do the work? That's all Philip did. That's all that we are called to do as witnesses. Come and see and let Jesus take it from there. Do you realize how many easy ways there are in our day and age to invite people to come and see? You are, are watching a video right now that, that as soon as you are done, you are able to share it. You can email it. You can post it to a social media account. You can send it as a direct message. You can do any number of, of things just with, with YouTube. And then on Sunday mornings, you can invite somebody to join you for in-person worship right at, at Shepherd of the Hills and to stick around for a Bible class afterwards that has the very purpose of allowing people to discover and to explore more about who Jesus is and to ask questions, to know what the Bible says about him. And on Sunday mornings, even before we gather for worship, in my own office, I share this same message on Facebook and Instagram. And surely you know friends who are on those that you can post it to your own story. You can post it and share it to other people. You can send a direct message. You can tag people in it. And if those don't work for you and you're not on social media, you can read the message on my blog. You can share it on a podcast so that people can listen to it while they're jogging or running or doing other, other things in their lives. There are more ways than we have ever had to invite people to come and see and let Jesus do the work. When is the last time that we have availed ourselves of, of those opportunities with a click of a button to share and essentially say to somebody, come and see what Jesus is all about. Let Jesus do the work. If we are genuinely, seriously concerned about where our world is at today, and many of us are, the direction that our, our nation is going, how seriously do we really think that all of that is going to be fixed by politicians? How seriously do we think that just, just being able to, to control or somehow balance media is going to make everything better? Or that even a, a vaccine itself is going to make all the fear magically disappear and replace what everybody is feeling with hope and optimism? None of those things are going to cut it. So we can either keep lamenting all of these things and complaining about them, or we can actually point people to the person who is able to do something about it, Jesus. Because no politicians, no media outlet, no vaccine is going to change anybody's heart. But Jesus can and does, just as he has changed yours. And if we want things to get better, if we want to, to pass on hope and peace to people that you and I know desperately need it, then all we have to do is invite others to come and see. 
And as we become more convinced ourselves and more firmly entrenched in who we are and, and who Jesus is and what he's done for us, the more inclined we are to witness, the more inclined we are to extend that invitation to come and see. And that, dear friends, is when Jesus gets to work. Amen.